This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. These days, choices are everywhere. Like, for instance, the milk in your coffee. Would you like it from a cow? A nut? A tree? Everyone wants options. And now your customers have a new option in the way they pay. With PayPal in person. Just generate your unique QR code in the PayPal app for them to scan. And start accepting PayPal in person today. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. Hello and welcome to episode 189 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from WashedUpEmo.com. Today, we welcome Brianna Collins from Tiger's Jaw. Tiger's Jaw just released a new album on Hopeless Records, and it's called I Won't Care How You Remember Me. Well, it's fantastic. And after having been on the podcast all the way back on episode 77, I needed to have someone else. And Brianna raised her hand, and I'm so happy she did. We talk about the new album advanced evolution thoughts on the scene from the revival up until today it was an absolute honor to have time with her to speak about the album her band and her perspective on the scene and music be sure to check out their album i won't care how you remember me out now on hopeless records thank you all the patreon supporters out there you keep the lights on you help the server you help the archive so if you want to help support this cause the washed up emo world patreon.com slash washed up emo this is episode 189 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Brianna Collins from Tiger's Jaw. It felt different because it had been a long time since we had went into recording a new record, being conscious of the amount of time we had wanting to do it as a band with it being, you know, me, Ben and Teddy and Colin. Um, We demoed, we got together like a few times over the course of months before going into pre-production with Will, which like we did pre-production a little bit for spin, but it didn't take as long because, you know, Ben had everything pretty hashed out and it was also our first time doing that. But this was like, you know, we had five weeks of recording and we took the time to like break down the songs and take them further than we thought they even needed to go. And like, that was the benefit of having Will like this mm-hmm. fresh set of ears who didn't have demoitis. And then, I don't know, it just felt like we were so conscious of every single part of making this record happen, which we always have been. But I think with it being this group of us in the band doing it for the first time, it felt really exciting to, and like gratifying after playing together, like on stage and touring together for so long, like finally making a record together it felt 
really nice. Did it feel like there was less weight on your shoulders by having everybody else? Um, I don't know about less weight on my shoulders. I'm sure for Ben, where, you know, for Ben, he wasn't, he was covering so many roles. He was playing essentially every instrument except for keyboard. And, you know, as the more experienced songwriter was not only developing his songs, but helping me with my songs. And with this record, it definitely felt like a, like very evenly collaborative process where Ben and I still brought songs to the table, but the creative input from Teddy and Colin that we were able to get like all, like even Ben usually comes with a song like completely done, like because he can, like that's just kind of his songwriting process too, where he'll like, you know, think of the way that he wants everything to sound. And this was the first time where I've really seen him like open himself up to like, you know, little changes or suggestions or things like where it did just feel so collaborative where it, I don't know, there's just, there's just something when you're working with a group of people that understand what you want it to sound like. You know what I mean? Because it's mm-hmm. starting from the skeleton of something that you like came up with um, and for it to feel so easy. And like, I don't know, there's something about pushing each other in that way. That and- was like really exciting about this uh recording process and then you're also when you feel that way and you're giving yourself out you're putting yourself out there you're putting out a sound and you're comfortable enough to do that and you're comfortable enough to hear feedback right oh yeah definitely like because it can feel very strange to have someone suggest an idea that is different than yours and like not have it feel like they're challenging your choice Um, but I think my, the way that I even, and I work best as a songwriter, I think is collaboratively where like, I can't wait for my idea to meet the mind of someone else and see what they think and, you know, bounce off of that. Um, but shit, I literally just lost my train of thought. No, you're fine. What about Will Yip? What, what does someone like that help with? that someone might not realize. Yes. So Will is very like, um, he's very straightforward that his approach is to like immerse himself in the band where he's trying to like get in, like I said, that mindset of how the vision of the band can best be like executed. Um, And he didn't have, like I said, demoitis where like we were, we were sending him the demos, but you know, his job, I guess, as producer is to challenge us to think about things maybe in a slightly different way that might, that we might not have thought of because we were stuck in one certain way or um, even like this part, I know you think it's a chorus, but what if it's the pre-chorus and you write another chorus? And he really challenged us with this record. Like Ben, especially, it was so incredible. Like literally he'd be like, yeah, like we need a chorus. Ben would go home, write one and then come back the next day. And we'd like run through and it was just like, holy shit. Like he was so right. But it's like, he pushed us to like find that, you know, he pushed Ben to find that in his own songwriting ability to do that you know that's amazing it it feels like he's like another member of the band but like 
in a really specific way where he hasn't necessarily been there through the whole process, but his input is so important to make the vision come to life. And that same trust. Yeah. You're hearing his oh, you yeah, know, feedback back. And that's sometimes hard for people. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a point during recording where um, Will, Will was saying that the intro to Lemon Mouth like, felt a little long and um, talked about shortening it. And that was like one thing that I was just like, no, like to me, that needs to feel like that. And it's just being able to be open to trying. Like we tried it because I think that that's important. Like, even if I feel really strongly, like how will I know definitely unless I at least see what it sounds like and compare the two. And I still felt the same way after and that's how it stayed. So it's like being able to like, you know, trust who you're working with and want to try their idea, even if it's not what you think it should be. And then them being able to, you know, not pushing past like that I think is really important too where like he he once he knew that I wanted it to be a certain way because it felt right in that way and the band agreed like that was it there was no like that's not the right choice or something you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. yeah so just just as much talking as listening exactly how about the um the record name itself do can you talk about why it's called that? Yeah, it's, um, it originally was, uh, just the title of the song that Ben wrote the title track. Um, and it came up, we, we really did have like a discussion about what to name this record. Um, every other record didn't feel, it felt pretty like immediate, like the idea of what it was. But again, we went from like, doing spin which was just Ben and I and like making those types of choices were I think a lot more straightforward because it's two people talking about things versus four people but I think it might have been Ben who brought it up of being the album title and I was like it's too long (laughs) I was like it's so long um and we kept trying and I was like it isn't that I don't like it it just feels long and I don't know why I was so stuck on that but it was like once I started to realize that the sentiment behind like what it means which like Ben explains it as like I won't care how you remember me it's like a defiant statement but it's also a statement of like acceptance where like you can't control how other people will see you you have to have accountability for yourself and like how you treat other people and how that might impact how they see you. But like, that's, you know what I mean? Like it mm-hmm. just is about being accountable to yourself and having to let go sometimes of the fact that you cannot control like what other people think of you. Um, and I thought that that resonated with like the theme of the record. And once it was like, okay, this is what it is. It was like, yeah, that's what is what it should have done from the moment that we started that discussion. But again, we had to just like hash it out and, get to that point together. That's great. I love that. How about, you know, again, I've, we're in the, we're in the, we're in the middle of hell still. How, what was it like, you know, writing in this environment and then also setting up a record when the usual calls or are the venues, like we talked about at the beginning, like that wasn't there. Like how did that change some of your approach and thoughts 
around this record, good and bad? Well, one thing that keeps uh, coming up is that because of the timing, it and I, I totally understand why, but people have been thinking that we wrote the record or recorded it like during the last year. Mm-hmm. And the record, we finished recording in August of 2019, and it was done like originally we were going to release it in early 2020. Wow. And then it was like actually more, you know, like when I had just finished photographing the album art when we had to have the discussion of like, this is the reality of what's going on. What are we going to do? Um, And at the time it felt like, I mean, I could not think like, how could we release a record and not tour? Um, And at that time it had been like, you know, we finished recording the record and everything was done. And then to think, okay, like we, what if we wait until the summer and then what if it's late summer? And then by that time it was like, we had committed to pushing the record to 2021. And I was like, Oh my God, it's going to be like a year and a half since the record was like done being recorded that this is going to be released, which felt like an eternity at the time. Right. Um, but now in retrospect, it's like we have no control of the way this situation has panned out. And I'm glad that at least we did decide to put the record out March of 2021, no matter what is going on, because we're not going to be able, if we're not going to be able to tour, we're not going to be able to tour. And that, you know, we want to share this record with the world. And um, it's given us the time to focus our art making on other aspects of the band, like making <laughs> music videos and figuring out live streams. And we um, recorded an, a playthrough of our album that we're going to release on uh, release day, which I don't know definitively if I'm allowed to talk about that yet, but I will don't let worry. you know. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like just utilize because we're only able to get together in really specific safe conditions with a limited amount of people, it almost has for, has forced us to like look around like where we live and the people that we're so lucky to be friends with that are really talented out at all of these different things that we've need, needed to kind of like make not only to, you know, produce content or whatever, but also to like have something to like put our energy into. Um, during a year where there is like it's really different than what I thought it was going to be I literally thought it was going to be like we're releasing like my favorite record we've ever done and we're about to tour and like my life is going to change or something like it just felt massive like yeah wow now it'll be now hopefully it'll be uh when I'm 30 and not when I'm 29 (laughs) it'll be like a whole new one-two punch of big life things I guess (laughs) but yeah it's been an interesting uh interesting year. Right. Well, I like the optimism because, and the couple things you mentioned, you know, being, thinking about the art. And I think if I, I don't feel old, I feel 25 still, even though I'm not, um, I still have this, you know, sense of, uh, new and what's next, but also I did feel that like it, there were some things that bands wouldn't think about because they always could have an excuse. Oh, we're going on tour. We only have, we're only home for two weeks or we can't do this. We can't do that. 
and it reset it in that way where maybe the usual slog or tour usual run through of things has changed but two it reset a lot of people like you said within in your own circle in, in your life and what's actually important what what is making yeah. me happy and i think if there's not a lot of good things that came out of it but in some ways i don't i don't i'm saying this kindly like it's 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 a not bad to have a reset if good things come out of it and you make the best of it and you guys are making the best of the situation by working on the art and then having like you said your close friends and that community around you and maybe you would have looked past that in another life yeah i think it's also when we're so busy with touring it's like logistically we're not always home and therefore not able to work with some of the people that like maybe would have come to mind more readily if they were like, you know, in our peripheral or whatever. But yeah, it also came down to like this year we're not touring and that's like our primary way of like making a living. And so it's like, we are a DIY band and we always will be. And we, we honestly do as much as we can on our own regardless, but it was just like, okay, like we're going to make this work with like whatever this budget is and we're going to make it look like professional. And I can't like, it's so funny because like if you were around, like when all these things were happening, it seems almost like a mess at times, like, but like organized chaos. Mm -hmm. And then to see the final product be like, wow, like we made that, like the new Detroit video felt so much like that too, because it was like, we, we all worked so hard to like make it like exactly what we wanted it to be. (laughs) And it came out that way. So it's like to put that much work into it does feel so good in the end to be proud of the outcome. Yeah. That that's what you want. That's the, you guys feeling good and it's not forced. And like you said, you feel that this is what you wanted. Yeah, it's, and I definitely think it's been the most cohesive rollout that we've ever had because of that, where everything feels relative in the aesthetic and like, you know, it might be something that I've tried to do as like, you know, the quote, creative director, or whatever, or director mm-hmm. of the band. But I don't know, this year there was just kind of like a zoning in. And I think too, it's like feeling like so locked in and excited about like, tiger's jaw right now like being in it right now like it's never felt it's like been the weirdest year in time but like i'm so excited to be in this band and like you know be making music together and it's like yeah it's like i definitely am holding on to like the optimism because there are a lot of dark days it's definitely not all like it's gonna be okay but i don't know like i definitely try to remind myself often how lucky I am that like I have not gotten sick and my family has been okay throughout all of this and like I also have been able to like find moments of joy and like stuff like that because it like it's not all it's a lot of bad but like I have to like you know center myself with those kinds of reminders sometimes yeah what about the uh, just hearing you talk like what what are those things you're pulling from for that motivation Um, what are, what are the, what are those things that, you know, bring that out of you? The motivation for 
the record, your productive, your productivity, uh, that, that kind of thing. Like for me, it's the sun. <laughs> if the sun comes out and yeah. it's a sunny day, like I'm, I'm off to the races. Like it's the, that, that would be one for me. Gotcha. I know what you mean. Um, I work best with due dates, which sounds so like type A, but it's true. Um, where like, I love having a deadline and the thing that has been motivating me is like the commitment and excitement about doing as much as we can on our own, which is something that we've like collectively as a band agreed upon. And I think without that, I would be like lost. I would not know like what to do with myself if I didn't have like all of this to like center around and like put my mind to work in a really like important way. Like something I think about a lot when we're, when I'm like, working on anything for Tiger's Jaw is that it will exist. And and this is something that Teddy, our drummer, like kind of brought into my mind in like a, in a cool way where it's like, whatever we do will exist beyond us. So it feels really important to me in that way where like, I want it to be able to exist forever and hold up and like be really true to like where we were at at this moment. And like, have it feel intentional and like we're a part of every single part of it like from the music to like the the layout of the album like it's all been you know us doing it and I don't think that there's like I'm not trying to say that it's like better because we do it that way versus like if someone else hires like a very talented artist or something to do it but it just is like for me when I make like I like that the art we are making is like it's like 360 you know what I mean like mm-hmm. we're really thinking about all of it because that's always felt how the band was like since we were like kids like trying to like <laughs> you know it feels like it feels like you're realizing you're in the moment you know when you kind of you have a really great night and you're riding home in the cab and you kind of forget like that oh wait that was really fun or maybe you do but there's that if sometimes you stop yourself in the middle and say like this is awesome um and I think what your drummer said was like you're you're trying to kind of do that instead of there isn't that I guess I'm going back to that thing of like you're not going through those motions like it really reset a lot yeah I mean you can get really like just like the root I mean I feel kind of like silly saying it because it's definitely not the same I feel very lucky to get to tour but there does like no matter what there's monotony and routine and it's not that like you want to start taking things for granted but it's like you just can't help it sometimes when it is like it's it's like the grass is always greener it's that phrase exists because like you don't get to see the other side right whereas like when there's more balance between like touring and being home um, or something like this, which is like a, a reset, like you're saying, or just like a kind of forced pause indefinitely, like then you're like, oh yeah, like I definitely was like very used to the routine of touring in a way where I wasn't maybe appreciating appreciating it as much. One thing that we have been kind of lucky with, with um, the experience of having like different friends play with us, um, you know, on tours or whatever throughout the course of the last however many years is that sometimes a friend would start touring with us and it would be the first time that they've ever been to a certain place. Like I remember Colin 
um, he had toured with us in the earlier, like in 2013, I think was his first tour with us, but he didn't tour with us for a while after that. Um, and then when he came back to start touring with us, he had never been to Europe and like getting, I've been to Europe, you know, you know, a few times with touring, but then getting to experience it again with someone who has never been there, it felt like, wow, like I'm like slowing down and appreciating the fact that like, this is so cool that we're getting to do this. Like kind of remembering like what it felt like when it was our like first couple times going over. And yeah, it's kind of just like, you don't realize sometimes like where you're at until like you like are forced to right. look around and be like, wait okay um how about um how about for you um uh switching to like you know finding punk and you know realizing that the diy way like how how early was that for you it was the seventh grade nice Um, way before me yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm very lucky i like it's very like time and place I think, um, as I feel like a lot of my life ends up being, um, but I had always loved music. Like my family, like my, you know, sang in like church choir, my mom loves to sing. There's always music in, on in the car. I, fun fact though, I've never heard my dad sing in my life. He whistles, but I've never heard him <laughs> sing a note, but like, it's a, you know what I mean? Like he'll, he'll be working in the garage and the radio's on. Um, but it wasn't until seventh grade when I got like the classic, you know, first mix CD and it had like streetlight manifesto and brand new and the RX bandits and fallout boy. And I was like, Oh my God, this is me. There's like, how do they know like what I want to say? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like where you're just relating to music where it isn't like, I think, I think too, because like, especially, you know, at that age, moving from, pop music especially at that time like the lyrics weren't really that complicated it was it's like digestible and like kind of generally relative and I feel like the music I was getting into like at the you know in the seventh grade and onward just it it felt more like personal where I could like relate I mean I couldn't actually relate to it as like a 12 year old but you know what I mean like I I was like wow like you can really tell like a story and it could like make you feel so many emotions beyond just like you know the like at that time especially what pop music kind of was but um I went to my first show that year um specifically because the boy that made me the mix cd was like you should come to the show my brother's band is playing they were a ska band called one-legged hero uh I'm pretty sure Greg Barnett's old band uh Greg Barnett from the Men Singers who I went to high school with um his band the Cretans was playing I crowd surfed at that show. My How mom only let me again? go because it was uh, 12. You um, crowd surfed at 12? Because... Fuck yes, Brianna. Oh, yeah. Well, it was like they picked me up and then I was in the air for probably like 10 seconds. And it then counts. It, it counts. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does count. Um, <laughs> but it was, a, it was in the basement of a church, which is why my mom even, I think, let me go. But that kind of just like, I think feeling that like in person, like the the community, the camaraderie, like seeing people that I went to school with and then people that I didn't go to school with that also were there because of the same thing. Like 
it was like the first thing I think beyond like anything my parents had like put me in as like an activity where that was like happening too. And it felt very much like my own choice to be there and like my own interests and stuff. And that's kind of, it kind of has been that way. (laughs) You know, that was it. I love that because I remember going to shows. I grew up in a really small town and going to shows and you met kids from other high schools and middle schools. And like, that was like a big deal. Cause it wasn't, it felt you were like, who are you? You know? And you're like, wait, you live over there. And it was like this foreign land because your circle was your high school or your middle school. Yep. And like the, the, I grew up in technically a village. It's like that small, it's like all farm land. Uh, And Scranton was like the big, big city. Um, Oh man. I don't know the exact, like I could Google it, but I'm not sure exactly. It, it's small, though. Right. It our is, town um, had like our town had a blinking yellow light and uh, might have been 2,500 people. Like if that, um, which felt big. We okay. were like a big town. Like, it was but, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a couple lights, but like no lines on most of the roads or street lights or sidewalks. Right. You know what I mean? Like you could, you couldn't walk anywhere. You had to, unless like you lived like close enough, but like most of my friends didn't live close to me. Whereas like now I live in a suburb where we all live within two, two minutes of each other and like seven minutes from target. So it right. definitely feels <laughs> different. So Scranton was the big city then. Scranton was the big city. And so it was like meeting, you know, kids that went to like Scranton high school or like, <laughs> Then going to shows in Wilkesbury, which was 45 minutes away, and that being like a big deal, like, you know, when my mom let me go with my friends to drive down, which that was always so specific too. she only let me drive with people who had had their license for like a certain amount of time. It, but anyway, we ended up working it out, especially thanks to Greg Barnett, who ended up driving me a lot of places. Um, because my mom trusted him as a driver and he had had his license for, you know, a certain (laughs) amount of years, but like even like meeting people from that far away and then talking to my friends that I was in high school with. And then, but you know what I mean? Like they weren't hanging out with people from down there. Right. It just felt like I had these like different worlds that like of my social circles that like intertwined in some ways, but like most of my friends that like I hung out with the majority of the time didn't go to high school with me. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, we we were known as like a certain town kids, like when we went to the show, because we weren't city, you know, <laughs> even though Vermont is just a giant farm. Um, but there was the like, we weren't and I feel like that, like, we would be downtown with my parents and I'd wave to someone and they're like, how do you know that? And I'm like, oh, I go to shows with them. And it was so weird. Obviously, now it's different because you can interact in seconds. But I loved that. I loved. Yeah. And they had a different perspective. They had different records. Like it was like each person mm-hmm. had their own little niche almost that you were tapping into that it felt I, I, I can feel it right now. Like I can feel like all I want to do is like talk to them. Right. Because it was like they're speaking a different language um, because of where they were from. Yep, like they would go to a different mall, like they had different places that they would even hang out. Like yeah. it just felt like a different like energy when you were in their, you know, like hanging out with them or like even hanging out with them where they lived versus like, you know, totally. where you grew up or something. <laughs> yeah. How about um, 
How about when you started playing music and, and singing? Like, did that, like you said, your parents had it on all the time and um, they were supportive as long as they had their license for a certain amount of time. How was, when did the, <laughs> yeah. when did it being like, when did it click that you were like, I want to do this? I, I, I just don't want to go to the well, show. <laughs> I want to do it. That That's actually really funny because it never was like, um, the way I joined Tiger's Jaw was not like me consciously like trying to join a band. Um, but I had been going to shows. I, it was like 2006. So Tiger's Jaw had been a band for probably almost a year at that point, but I hadn't really like, I didn't really know Ben or Adam that well. Um, I had met Adam through like shows and we became friends on AIM and like, at that time, I was, I, I don't know if I had even ever been to more than one Tiger Shaw show, if that, if I had even seen Tiger Shaw before, but I was friends with Adam and he was talking about how their keyboard player had quit and they had a show and I had taken piano lessons um, since, at that point, since I was eight. And so I was like, well, I play piano and like, if you need someone to fill in and like, I don't think I even like like it was just so exciting and like I don't know I didn't even think he'd say yes or something I was just like talking to him on him being like yeah like if you and he was like yeah like and basically I had to go to like his parents house and like I met with him and Ben and like my parents had to meet Adam's parents and like then it was like you know having my parents agree to drive me to Scranton to drop me off for band practice and like pick me up and um I ended up playing that one show. Uh, I sat down and then while I played, which is so funny now to think about, cause I just had like only ever played classical piano in my life. And mm -hmm. um, a lot of the bands that I listened to didn't have a keyboard player. Um, so I don't think I even had like a frame of reference of like what it's like to play in like a band, like a loud band with a piano or a keyboard. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, eventually learned like what felt comfortable for me but after that one show uh ben and adam asked if i wanted to join the band and i said yeah and that was it that's the first band i ever joined and it kind of was just like my love for music and shows like opened me up to meet these people and like me just putting myself out there for like a second like in this moment of like you know i'm 15 going on 16 and i'm like oh like okay and Adam was like, yeah, like, uh, it's so crazy. And like now 15 years later, wow, like it's so, like, it's so part of my life. Like, yeah. I love that. Yeah. It just, it's a really crazy, special, weird time and place thing. Like I just, yeah. How about, you know, the, the, the scene and, um, you know, if it's 08, 09, you know, 10, that revival stuff. And did what was that? What was that like being in it? Um, I was at labels looking at it, but I wasn't in bands then. Like, what was that like feeling like people are starting to pay attention or things are starting to happen for the band um, and overall? It was like also around the time where the internet was starting to become like kind of like you were realizing that it was like going to be this like bigger thing. Mm -hmm. I think like when, you know, 
you had a MySpace, but then you had a MySpace and a Facebook. Like in 2008, I was a junior in high school. So it was still like, I think my peripheral of like what was possible was still pretty small because like I couldn't, you know, like I still was too young to like go on tour with everybody and stuff. And, um, but it always felt very like, I don't know, there was something about our scene where like all of the bands were making like such good music where the shows were always so cool. They're always like, like eclectic and like what, who, you know, the types of band that were playing, like you'd have like a hardcore band and then like us <laughs> um, all in one show, just like we all would play together. And then around that time was when we were really able to start um, playing like further and further away and uh, getting to like play in Philly and like kind of doing like house shows and that scene. And we played a lot, started to play a lot in Ohio, um, especially like in after 09, like when I graduated high school and was in college, like in Philly, like um, I think just getting older and being able to like go, <laughs> go further away. Mm-hmm. It, it was like seeing people know our band beyond like our town beyond our state like and the way it resonated in like I felt like I could relate to that in the way that I loved other bands and that felt so like full circle and cool even at that time um but then it was also happening for bands that like we were friends with like from you know them also playing mostly like local shows like Balance and Composure, Title Fight, like the Menzingers that were like, you know, starting to do like bigger tours and like it just kept growing. But knowing a lot of the bands, even from before it was like that, it just was like, oh my God, like we're all in this together. Like, and then seeing like the connections being made with other bands that were even from even like further away, like it just was so cool to like do our first US tour and 2010 and like play on what like the other side of the country and people knew like who our band was and like the support for that like scene of music it just it did feel like I don't know how like conscious at the time I was of it but there definitely was like I definitely feel like there was like an awareness of like we're part of this like kind of like really like cool thing that like doesn't happen all the time um, it's like it happens in waves, it seems. Yeah. Oh, I um, agree. It w- I Hearing some of these bands and just being like, they're kind of doing their own thing, but they're taking this from this. And it, the way you're describing it, it just seems like that felt really organic. Like we're just doing this because we want to. And you kind of, I don't know. It's, I, I'm yeah, not excluding I mean, I never things. Met it anybody. Just, right. I never met anybody that wanted to be like the biggest band in the world. And that was like why they were playing music. It was like, everybody just loved like playing in these bands and playing shows and getting to like meet other people and make friends from different cities. Like it's like, it's so pure of a concept. And I think that's why it was special in that way, because like, obviously the bigger your band gets, it's like the more your band gets to do, like it, it, I don't necessarily think that it's like a bad thing to want growth for your band, but it wasn't like ever like we're going to be 
famous. <laughs> like we never, we never like you right. know that's never been the the goal. I it's if, I, if I'm honest, I would love to know, and you can say yeah, I'm, you're completely wrong. But my th- theory was I was I was at a punk label at the time. We were dealing with the absolute punks and the pure volumes and the punk news. Uh, like you said, when you said AIM, it brought me back. I'm so bummed when they shut off AIM. And like there were literally people that yeah. I would talk to on AIM for like the entire existence that AIM existed. Um, uh, but. Th- you know, oh nine, ten, like really I was excited because I was like, there's this group of I'm gonna use the word kids because anyone younger or even my age, I say kids, but anyone like I was like, wow, they're they kind of figured out that that pop era wasn't it. Like it wasn't that's not all it was. It might have been a gateway, it might have been a entry point, but they found the other things or they found the DIY in it. And it wasn't just we're gonna be the biggest band, we gotta buy this amp, we gotta buy this, we gotta go on this tour, we gotta sound like this, we gotta look like this. Um yeah. how did that happen? How did you how was that because that was I mean, for four or five years, like if you, we, I had bands at Equal Vision that if they didn't look a certain way, I mean, no one paid attention. Yeah, I, I think it's because of that time, the way that the internet was. Like, I don't know if Instagram even existed until like 2010. And so I think that there was still like kind of this, like, I don't know if sheltered is the right word, but like our focus was still kind of limited beyond like the scope of what was like out there. Mm -hmm. Um, When I listened to Ben's episode, uh, he kind of talked about that too, where like he was saying like his mom didn't, he wasn't allowed to watch MTV. And so it was just like, well, like what are, what are his cousins showing him and stuff? And it was like, I was so like excited about like the local scene and like the music that I had discovered either through friends burning me CDs or like, you know, you find a band on MySpace or through someone writing about a new band on Greatest Journal, but it's not the same as like someone sharing their Spotify playlist and you can immediately listen to like every single song right. from that person's discography from the beginning of when they started making music. Like it just wasn't as accessible, which I think helped kind of narrow the scope of like where, where it just had to be authentically what we wanted to do and what we could access. Like I think of it like I wanted, I loved like the idea of being seen like, you know, S C E N E when uh, I was younger, like raccoon tail hair dye, like whatever. But like my only like way to see that was like MySpace, And then like, where could I shop? You couldn't online shop then. I had to go to the mall and make something work out of like whatever I could get at Hot Topic that my mom would allow me to buy because I was like a kid. And then like (laughs) maybe Hollister, if like, it's like, and it ends up where I don't like exactly look like the thing that I'm like trying to emulate, but it becomes this like version that's like me through this, you know, whatever's accessible to me. Like, even like talking about how it doesn't matter what equipment you're using. It's like, yeah, we had no money. So like, you're going to buy like a crate amp or like my first guitar was from like Sam's club or something like, I don't know. Like it just doesn't, it, I don't know. I don't know if it's because it was just kind of more limited of like access or whatever, but I, I do feel like it, it isn't like without 
having those limitations that it can't happen, but I feel like there is a very uh, heavy emphasis on the idea of in one second, you could be successful and famous with the internet. And that is like, you know, not how we like came up, I guess. Yeah. Because it didn't exist. It didn't. It, yeah. I don't it, know. I, it wasn't in that form. It wasn't in this like instant. There was still some work to be done. I think you, you really succinctly said that well, and it's really interesting for your time period and era. I guess the other piece that I'm always interested about to hear is, you know, you knew about those bands, you loved Streetlight or, you know, Fall Out Boy or those bands, but like, I would talk to some of them and they would know about the nineties and know about, you know, the early two thousands and, and it might've been an older brother or it might've been a record or again, the search, there wasn't wiki as much as it was now. It was still a little bit, it just, I, I loved that it wasn't there. There was an, a sense of search that I think this time period was trying to do. It wasn't trying to do what was before. It was looking back. And I always found that really fascinating. Yeah. Like, even if I think about the music that I liked, it's like, well, what were they influenced by? And then there in turn, how did that influence like my own, like, you know, taste in music and like, and I feel like that comes like that becomes really clear where like at times where like you get into a band, like, like I got into braid, uh, like, freshman year of college but they had not been a band like an active band for how many years but like Fraven Canvas I was like I'm obsessed with this record and it's like I don't know how I would have necessarily gotten into them if not for like my influences growing up maybe having some of those like 90s or like emo original emo like you know influences on their own and Mm -hmm. then I don't know. It's just, it's really interesting to me how it all kind of like ties together, even if it's not like a linear path. Yeah. No, there's like your friend mentions it and then you dive in. I just think I loved either talking to some of those bands early on or they would stop by our DJ night or he would just talking to them about, how'd you find about records? Like, how do you know? Why, how do you know about that? And they would give you this same trail that you did. You were like, I heard it on this mix CD and then I went to this and then I heard about this. And I loved that that stayed alive, that search, that discovery of not just kind of taking what's at the surface and knowing there's more underneath. Yeah. I'm so happy you did that. (laughs) (laughs) Because a lot of people didn't. A lot, if we, I mean, you said emo a few times, but like, that was, you know, it, a lot of people didn't. It was surface. They moved on. They moved on to David Guetta or whatever else was next and left it. And I think it, it's awesome that that scene that you were in and your friends and the people that you were in, interacting with were were starving for more. Yeah, I think too, it had, like, I think back to friends I had in high school that also liked the same music as me, but weren't going to shows. And like, I don't know if like the disconnect between like, you know, because there, there was a time where like a band like Fall Out Boy started to, you know, they, they'd be played on MTV, like, right. but, um, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's the connection to like seeing it actually happen in your own community and like where it starts from, because at that time it was still, it wasn't like 
all bands that were like manufactured or something like a lot of bands that were like getting recognition and kind of the mainstream or radio era of that time like they were bands that like played VFW halls and toured and slept mm-hmm. like at a punk house and got peed on by a cat like um <laughs> where then you were seeing like wow they like worked their way up to this like you know and I think there's also a little bit of luck involved in that for for some but it's like you still could see like yeah like it started in the same way of like what we're doing here I don't think we were able to see all of that until the internet became kind of a more prevalent thing where you know people were sharing more of their stories and it's like I hadn't even seen Fall Out Boy live other than at Warp Tour like when I loved them probably the most as a band because they didn't tour in our area right but like now, I don't know, it just, everything feels a lot more accessible where like in a way that it didn't necessarily feel like at the time. I don't know. I agree with you, but also I yeah, think right, making me think deeply about all welcome, these welcome to the podcast. Um, <laughs> no, I, I find your perspective really interesting, and I'm not trying to push on mine because everybody knows what my like. I've said my feelings, so I really love hearing your response back to this because it's it's so it's I think it's a very interesting way that someone says this thing's dead. It's not dead. It's alive, and to know that you're outside of Wilkesbury or outside of Scranton and I'm from a small town as well. And like finding these things is like finding gold and the record store or the one, you know, kid that used to live in New York city that had this tape or CD and it, uh, these tentacles that happen. And then you not only have that, but you've got the drive to search and want to know. And I feel like you yeah. guys were doing that. You guys were like, there's more, there's more out there. And not a lot of people did yeah. that. Yeah. Which feels like so strange. I think in some ways, like, like I said, like that's why so sometimes it feels like there's like luck involved or just something beyond like working really hard because it's like not, if you work really hard, it, you're not guaranteed anything still regardless, but like all of the, the bands from our area were like, you know, I feel like taking it seriously and and putting in energy in like a very like similar way and rooting each other on. And like, I don't know, it just felt very communal and exciting. And um, I like, it's so, that's why it was always so weird to me when I had friends that listened to the music that I liked, but didn't want to go to shows. Because I was like, why would you want to be a part of this like amazing thing? <laughs> but you know, everybody has their own their own right. taste, and maybe they were searching in a different way. Right. They maybe were... they love David Guetta. You know, you can't. Enough. <laughs> everybody no, likes their own shit. Right. Exactly. I have no problem with David. He's actually very nice. Um, very nice human. <laughs> um, but yeah, what I wrote down as you were saying communal was it just senses like you search this community. But you're right, there was a luck involved because it might have been a community that it was one band or two and maybe they weren't against each other or they were dueling bands or something or they didn't they wouldn't want to go to their show if they played and they're all and there's maybe a magic in the rooting for each other. Maybe there's a magic in the the type of people that were there that, you know, uh, pushing this air time like. There was a there was a venue that I went to school around 
that um, Adam from Taking Back Sunday would go to in high school. And that's how I met him. And he it was only around for four years, this venue. But it spawned all these different things and people and community. So I think these sort of like places that you, like you said, that basement show or that VFW hall, like those take on this other life that you need the luck, but you've also got these people that are really pushing and that energy. Um, and so yeah. I, I think a lot of things have to go right. And it's awesome that you lucked into um, that early on. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't tell me back then that like this would be like now, like, I don't know if I could like conceptualize it Right. <laughs> of like, oh, well, your career is actually Tiger's job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you're not thinking, I, it's funny. I get that Amazon photo thing where it tells you what were you doing like eight years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And I look at it yeah. and it's just nuts because I'm like, first of all, what the hell was I wearing? And then two, um, oh, man. Yeah. you know, like what was I wearing? I looked ridiculous or why was my hair that way? Um, but then you kind of like keep looking at it kind of like a, like a book jacket or a record, you know, sleeve. And you're just keep looking at it and you're like, okay, time and place. Where was I? How old was I? What was I doing? Well, who was my friend? Who was my girlfriend? Like, what were those things? And it all kind of feels like, oh, that's okay. Right. I didn't think, you know, uh, uh, you know, on this day I'll, I'll be talking to tiger's jaw. Right. But it's, it's fun to watch sort of the happy accidents that lead to that, but how deep they are. Cause I bet those folks that you could go call the Menzingers right now. Right. And yeah. go, go shoot the shit. And then like, that isn't, that isn't contrived. That's not from buying a t-shirt or going to a show. You've got to be involved. Yeah. Like, and staying friends, like that's also something that's so crazy to me is how we're all still like, you know, very in touch with each other. And to think that, like, you know, I started hanging out with everybody when I was, like, a kid, like, a little kid, like, right. 15, like, and I, that's when I made, like, lifelong friends, like, you know what I mean? Like, through this, like, oh, it's just so, it's really, like, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I mean, I, I really love the like, way you were kind of going like that, that you met them at 15 and they're your lifelong friends. Yeah. We're like now people are getting married and having babies. And like you call, like, even like I jokingly call like everybody, like, it, you know, Colin comes over and he's uncle Colin to my cat. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like very, it's the thing is like everybody has grown up. Like that's something that, you know, you cannot prevent and almost is like it's just like a good thing that happens but sometimes people grow up and grow apart and like we never all ended up doing that um yeah that's beautiful it's very it's, it's very cool i hope you didn't mind the trail i thought that was fun you were really hitting no. on some stuff. <laughs> yeah no I, I i love interviews like this too where like we're having like a real conversation about about stuff. So hold on to-